0: Welcome to Razzle Frat. We're back to talk books, coffee, pop culture and more. I'm Allie. I'm Ashton. So how are you doing on this uh, rainy day? It's actually uh-huh. like fitting my mood, so I'm, I'm not mad about it. That's nice. I'm actually coming to you from Texas where it is not rainy. It is like 75 degrees and sunny, which is not as hot as it could be. So I'm not gonna complain. Well, yeehaw to you. Yeehaw to me indeed. <laughs> I'm just like I'm nervous about any ex- like exponential amounts of rain because I'm just oh getting, yeah yeah I'm just getting like down to like the last of like having to run fans so um, I'm really hoping that um we just you know can power through nature a little bit but anyways what is a uh, What is new with you other than being in um, the wonderful South? (laughs) Um, Not much is new with me. Um, Yeah, I'm here for like 10 days, and then I'm back for a week, and then I'm going to Vermont. So lots of travel in my future. Um, But other than that, pretty much same old, same old. So nice. I have lots of trauma in my future, most likely. I know.
1: (laughs) Um, Where in Vermont are you
0: going? it's a town called Woodstock <laughs> oh a little no no name town never heard of it well um, it's not Woodstock Woodstock is in New York right uh, yeah I guess yeah so. but I've heard of Vermont Woodstock though I've been maybe I've just recommended it because of who I am and my aesthetic maybe but i'm really excited lots of covered bridges and fall activities in my future so and lots of knitting and reading and so i'm very excited that's so lovely how long are you gonna be there a week i'm i'll be there for five days so well actually yeah i'll be there like there's only one train a day amtrak train that goes from new york to this place in vermont so monday and friday of that week will be kind of like half days of travel and then the rest of the time i'll be there well, you're gonna have to like either read or possibly reenact um, the secret history while you're there because obviously that's set in Vermont. And when else are you gonna be there? Cause I feel like a lot of people forget about Vermont unless they like skiers or really obsessed with maple syrup maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that I'll like it enough to go back. I mean, the train ride is like seven hours, so it's not, you know it's not short but it's not like unbearably long i think so yeah. is it a sleeper train no that'd be cool so, though that'd be like yeah like a very like bougie well it's not bougie if you have to ride the train i guess but i don't know it's like it reminds me of like the fancy mm-hmm. old-timey things where like you know you can go to the cart bar cart on the mm-hmm. train or or you could get murdered like with agatha kushney yeah, either you one. Know, either way, not bad. <laughs> yeah. Or like that episode in Sex in the City where she has like a pit bull and like she's trying to like hide it. So she just puts on a fuck ton of blush and looks like a clown. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> deep cut. Okay. Um, <laughs> What's new with you? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. That's why I'm stalling. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess we recorded a podcast just last week. So even though like they're coming out like separate. Like, yeah. We don't have any updates. No, we reported like four days ago. Yeah. So um, there's absolutely nothing new that you don't know. And honestly, nothing I truly want to disclose to the public anyway. Um, the public. You mean yeah. our five <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. But um, you never know in the future. Someone might yeah. stumble upon this and love it. Yeah. And they might. You never know. We might be famous in like 200 years when we're dead. Oh, that's true. All oh, the best Seamus. artists aren't appreciated during their lifetimes, so. That's reassuring. <laughs> <laughs> so glad anyway. I chose this path in life. Um, well, what are you reading? <laughs> uh, I actually, I did finish The Sundown Motel by Simone St. Mm. James. Um, there was a really good twist to it. Um, like, I knew the twist was coming and I predicted the twist as it was happening but i didn't predict it like too far ahead so i feel like that's a win for me because nice. like i have a habit of predicting and getting bored very easily and guessing where it goes And I, I like how it turned out and and what the author did with said twist so that was um nice if you didn't book. guess it i definitely would not so that's yeah. one i should read it's like um it's it runs you know it runs it too too uh Two storylines in tandem, like a two, one set in 2017, one set in 1982, and it's about this aunt and then her niece, um, and the aunt. It's like the story of like the night she went missing in this haunted hotel, Mm -hmm. but it's also like during a time where like possible serial killers on the loose, and like why is it all connected to this haunted hotel and blah blah blah, and then the the niece is like dealing with the death of her mother and like is obsessed with true crime in general so she's like I want to investigate this own true crime mystery that's in my own family and feel like get some closure for my mom's family and because and, like no one's left you know so she goes out and ends up working the same night shift as her aunt did yes. you know 35 years prior I think I mentioned it earlier yeah you mentioned it it sounds like very like a yep. very good spooky season read. There it is because there's a lot more like yeah so there's true crime there's a the serial killer aspect but then there's also like um like the haunting aspect which I really enjoyed because like it wasn't overdone in my opinion yeah. like so it didn't feel like a fully haunting story or a fully true crime story it was a nice mix. I was um you know, I don't think I've ever read anything like that. And so it was a, it was a good read. Nice. Maybe I'm just in a good mood. I've had coffee, but (laughs) great, great job, Simone. Um, (laughs) Great work. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, well, Obviously, I finished our book club pick, which we'll get into in a minute. And I started when I got home to Texas Wildfire by Hannah Grace, the sequel to Icebreaker, Notorious Icebreaker. Um, it's cute, it's good. I mean, it's like it literally says in her bio, which I love that she embraces it. It's like she is a self-proclaimed, like fluffy, feel-good romance author. So, like, that's what this is. And I didn't expect anything else. And so far it hits so we enjoy the honesty and the transparency we enjoy the honesty and sometimes it's just like you know is it really good writing not really but it's not bad writing like calling hoover you know what i mean call her out call her out girl like it's 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 not the best writing i've ever read but it doesn't matter because that's literally not why i'm reading it i am reading it for like the romance and the smut so it doesn't really matter to me on a sentence level if the writing is poor or if she like over has her characters over explain things um so that we know as the reader like what they're feeling like whatever it's kind of annoying but i don't care yeah honestly though like as someone who reads a lot of literature and heavy hitters um it's sometimes nice to like, I don't want to say like the cat ran away and the dog bit my face or something like that. You know, like I don't I don't want to read like Dr. Seuss, but like I'm not a, I'm not a good child children's writer, clearly, but like it's nice to read a book that's simple enough yeah. that like you're you're not really you're reading it for the like the plot and the plot is very um, open, like it's not like layered, it's not nuanced per se. And (laughs) no, um, it's not. (laughs) And like, and the writing is not like deeply profound and I'm not trying to knock this author. I'm just saying like, sometimes that's it's like a book just serves as an escape and yeah. nothing more and that's perfect it's it's like, like the rom-com of books like sometimes yeah, a, rom, a rom-com is silly yeah it's formulaic and you know what i don't want to read that back to back to back to back but it's a nice palette cleanser from yeah. all the spooky shit i've been reading and the like heavy world building and sjm like this i can miss five pages and it literally does not matter like i don't have to pay that close attention and it's so lovely um yeah. so yeah i'm enjoying it i um yeah, I'll let you guys know how it is, but yeah. I don't see me not liking it. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, we'll talk about it at the end, but for my TBR, I need a palette cleanser because um, after reading Sundown and Hill House, I've also, I picked up The Faces by Tov uh, D-Lef- um which is, is anything but light. <laughs> and even though it's a smaller book, I'm just gonna read the back because I'm just gonna butcher what it's about. (laughs) Um, Copenhagen, 1968. Lise, a children's book writer and married mother of three is increasingly haunted by the disembodied faces and voices. She is convinced that her husband already extravagantly unfaithful will leave her. Most of all, she is scared that she will never write again. Yet as she descends into a world of pills and hospitals, she begins to wonder, is insanity really something to be feared or does it bring a kind of freedom? So that's where I'm at right yeah. now. So you thought, wow, my life is kind of upside down and the universe is not doing me good. Let me just like read like really heavy shit. And oh, no, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, you want to know the real thought? It yeah. was um, basically it's a, uh, it was thin, it's only like 125 Fair. pages and i'm behind on my yearly book club book reading challenge Mm. so i was trying to get those numbers up get those get those numbers way up you know matthew mcconaughey style so uh i chose Mm -hmm. that um it's a fabulous fabulous book so far it's i mean it's in fabulous darling yes whatever um it's in (laughs) translation so it's it's originally written in danish and i mean she's brilliant her writing and she only wrote wrote towards the end of her life mm. um or published i guess towards the end of her life yeah. but um yeah the mistake was thinking that it'd be somewhat light although i don't think i actually thought that i i just didn't realize how intensely
1: profound yeah. it was
0: going to be and like how layered it was and um i definitely can't i can't read it before bed because it fucks with my head that's for sure <laughs> Oh, um, I did it the other night. I was like, what? I was like dreaming about like floating faces. It was well, at weird. least it's short. So it's a palate cleanser in that way. True, true. But anyways, um, speaking of haunting, so I don't know if you want to just jump right into the book pick that we have Or Let's just do it. Okay, cool. So um, yeah. I pulled up the description. Um, I'll just read it one more time in case... Um, You live under a rock and don't know what this book is about. Um, <laughs> so we chose for the month of October to read Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. And uh, it was first published in 1959 and it has been hailed as the perfect work of unnerving terror. It is a story of four seekers who arrive at a notoriously unfriendly pile called Hill House. Dr. Montague, an occult scholar looking for solid evidence of a quote-unquote haunting, Theodora, his light-hearted assistant, Eleanor, a friendless, fragile woman, well-acquainted with poltergeists, and Luke, the future heir of the Hill House. At first, their stay seems destined to be merely a spooky encounter with inexplicable phenomena, but Hill House is gathering its powers, and soon it will choose one of them to make its own. dun dun Dun, 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 so indeed overall i just want to um disclose we're gonna give spoilers this book has been out since the 60s um there's like movies on netflix there's adaptations there's like i think i don't know if hitchcock did a version but there's you know black white. i Light think version. it was kubrick was it kubrick i don't yeah. quote me it's one of those like oh, old-timey like tracks. big wig directors yeah because i think jimmy talked about it um and then like it's inspired multiple spin-offs and yeah there's a netflix movie series whatever i don't fucking know um with victoria pedretti oh love her yeah i know you keep dropping that name and i really don't register she's on the cover of my book i bought normally i don't like book covers that have like the adaptation like the film or tv Mm -hmm. like Whatever on it, but a it was the cheapest, and b it has her on it, and she's so good. I was like, I don't care. Okay, um, I'll take you word for it. Okay. Um. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry wasn't, for getting excited. Wasn't, no, that wasn't. <laughs> Well, you can't show me, so I have to take your word for it. I wasn't trying to be dismissive. I know. I know you Uh, it just comes naturally to me. I know. I know. I'm used to it at this point. (laughs) I was looking at the points that we both wrote out, and I think we basically wrote two of the same each, and then there's like one of differentiation. So maybe instead of like going back and forth, we could like or maybe we could like start with our ones that are different and then we can kind of just discuss the last two like together um whatever you think that's totally fine because i um am terrible and i didn't read your points when i wrote mine so i didn't even know that they um that's okay it's i mean it's a short book with pretty limited plot points and themes so it's not surprising honestly i just think point three is the most uh is the only one we have in common so we can start with that uh the your point one if you'd like i think that's that's a great place to start yeah I mean okay this is you'll see what I'm saying I think this is also one that we have in common um but we'll see okay so the cyclical nature of the novel that it like opens and closes with the same paragraph I eat that shit up (laughs) I love that um and it's like I don't know, it's just like the house does that, right? Like it, it opens up, it like swallows people and then it starts over and that's how the book is too. Um, and so I really like that it kind of came full circle there at the end. And then it also made me wonder too, like this idea of like cycles and whether or not we can break them. There's one point in my book, it's on page 15 but I think we have different versions where she's driving into town and she kind of sees that house with the lions out front. And she starts thinking to herself like, oh, in another life, like I lived here and I had dinner at this table every night and my husband came home to me and it almost made me wonder if it weren't like, like if the soul, the house keeps like regurgitating the same soul, you know what I mean? Like, like the girl who committed suicide, like some piece of her spirit somehow made its way to Eleanor and what Eleanor is seeing when she sees the house is not kind of like a daydream, but almost like a flashback or some sort of like familiarity from like a previous life. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but she does that a couple of times throughout the novel where she kind of thinks like, maybe I would do this or I could do this. And I don't know if it's just her being Eleanor or if it's something like cosmic. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Oh, that's good. I honestly didn't even notice the first page and the last page matching um, until you just said it Um, (laughs) did you double check me I did that's what I was doing right then Um, (laughs) um, sorry Um, it's okay (laughs) but I think I I get what you're saying how it's it's cyclical and how the house welcomes them in and swallows them whole Um, that's similar to what I was thinking I think and on your point about Eleanor and the lions and everything in the beginning, I think that speaks more to Eleanor's characterization than actually mm-hmm. the effects of Hill House, because that was happening as she was driving through the town, not as she was after she had encountered Hill House. So she didn't have the influence of the house yet. And I think, right. in this Eleanor, yeah, well, I guess so. Yeah, um, and we could talk about that more when I, I was curious about, to be honest, When I first was reading it, I got confused because I thought that Eleanor and Theodora, which I'm going to refer to as Nell and Theo from now on, just for sake of sanity. I thought they were um, at their stay in the house, were actually transforming into the sisters themselves. Mm. But, and because I am dumb, it did not know that Nell is a nickname for Eleanor. So I thought Nell was the name of the little girl that used to live there and they were, uh, yeah, until I learned what mm-hmm. the names were. So I originally thought that they were actually just turning into them and being yeah. possessed by their spirits or something like that. Um, but, I think you could still make that argument. Yeah, yeah. And I could talk to that more a little bit, but I think, as far as what you were saying about her like um, fantasizing Mm -hmm. about these lives and almost embodying the type of people that eventually lived in Hill House or her becoming one of them. I don't know if I personally thought like reading wise, my interpretation was from the get go like that, because like from from Eleanor, we get almost the entire perspective from Eleanor's view. And her drive is is a form of freedom for her, because it's like she stole her sister's car after they were like, we need the car because we don't like you, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and this was after she had given up her entire youth to take care of her sick, dying mother, um, and then was left penniless, single, and had to live in her sister's house and was... Con- considered and treated and reminded that she was a burden at like 32 or something um i mean same and (laughs) she so she stole this car she's going on an adventure essentially so she's envisioning this new version of herself the one that was so brash that she defied her sister and is is doing this scary endeavor and answering the doctor's call and Mm -hmm. and going to investigate this haunted house, even though I don't think she truly believed it was haunted when she was called. Mm -hmm. I think she was just like, this is an opportunity for me to not be me Mm -hmm. and for me to be someone else. And I think originally that's how she took it and then Hill House warped it. Yeah. Um, it got to the point where I was like, "Wait, did she have lions at her house? Because she kept bringing up the fucking lions." I know. And, and and I was like, "I don't know what's real anymore. Maybe I'm I'm in Hill House, but um, I think speaking to what you were saying about how Hill House well like takes people in was similar, I guess, to my point about how there's this sentient <laughs> feeling of the house where it's almost like it's it has a name and it has this energy and eventually it has some forms of life or action that can affect others and I have a couple page notes here like where like on page 23 it's the first encounter we get with the house and it's when Mm -hmm. Eleanor pulls up and she says the house was vile she shivered and thought the words coming freely into her mind her house is vile it is diseased get away here from here at once and um and that was her initial thought and mm-hmm. like that's even before going into the gates and so that's terrifying and then by page 60 or the i have the uh the penguin classics version um and like how it's she's having a conversation with the doctor about how it's waiting how the Mm. house is always waiting and i think you put this quote down too how it's you know it's evil and it's quote unquote enchained and destroys people's lives Mm -hmm. and and how like you know thinking about it as a as an entity that can do that Mm -hmm. it's it's capable of doing that that's that's personifying the house and then even when the haunting is really taking a full force Mm -hmm. and they're hiding in the room from the banging on the doors, you know, Eleanor realizes it's looking for the room with someone in it. The fact that it's looking, it's searching, it's it's performing actions, all gives to the fact that the house was alive in a way and and Mm -hmm. that it it like, you know, it's sentient and that it has thought. And I'm not talking about the fucking, smart house movie where they you know do white hip-hop and kids from disney channel like this is like this is like a like a hat like a like a just it's like energy and and just it's possession yeah well is it possession because that was my question i have one of those points is it possession or is it obsession i don't know if you want to keep me to keep talking or no i think next point no, I can jump in because I said something similar, I think, like, um, I, I, I wondered the same thing, like how much of this is primarily Eleanor, like how much of this is her kind of like having a breakdown and maybe being a little neurotic versus how much is the house actually affecting her. Um, and I don't, I, my opinion is that it kind of morphs from obsession into possession and that's like the house like picked up on that. And kind of stole it so like my question like spoiler alert as we said, we're going to talk about the ending like at the end when she kills herself. I like wrote like, is it a suicide or was that like a final act of defo is that like the last shred of Eleanor actually in that body trying to take control and get out of this so like is it a suicide, or is it a murder like is the house making because she's like why am I doing this why am I doing this Like is it the house murdering her or is it a suicide like some small shred of who she was in the back of her head is trying to kill herself to free her from the possession I don't know I don't think she really Shirley Jackson gives us a definitive answer but that's part of why I liked it so much yeah and like and speaking on that like I I put down that too because it's like I think I think it's more of a murder because the house itself is like putting these thoughts into her head about how like you know, they're, they're all making her leave. They're all seeing the influence of the house mm-hmm. on her. And um, we can talk a little bit more about that in a second. But like how at the end, they're like, you need to get out. You're, you know, we're packing up your stuff. You need to just go. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, there's nothing wrong. You've done nothing wrong. We're mm-hmm. trying to help you. You need to go. Yeah. We called your sister. She's expecting you. Like, mm-hmm. you have a life outside this house. You need to forget about it. And in her silly little act of defiance, or rather the house's defiance, she doesn't want to leave. She wants to be a part of Hill House. But it's Mm -hmm. like, is it Eleanor thinking that, or is it what's influencing her mind? And that is when she takes the car and crashes it into the tree so she can never fully leave the property. She can never Mm -hmm. fully leave Hill House. It claims her, but in the last very second, you get Eleanor's thoughts saying, why am I doing this? I don't mm-hmm. wanna die kind of thing. And it's like it's the house claiming her, I feel mm-hmm. like. And the the argument of possession versus obsession, I was thinking about it and I think you're right, with the whole it starts out as an obsession and and transforms because I wrote why why Eleanor? Why was mm-hmm. she singled out? And I think it's because she was the weakest link. She was a loneliness and the most vulnerable to influence. And mm-hmm. she's she's the first one that's, that can be isolated because she was isolated with her family. Like Theodora mm-hmm. was living with someone. She had someone back home that yeah. like wanted her there. You know, mm-hmm. Luke was an heir. He like had a big family. He was just the youngest, like he mm-hmm. has people. Dr. Montague he has a horrible terror of a wife but Mm -hmm. like he has like a prominence in the community like he's known. Eleanor has no one she has no prominence she Mm -hmm. has no ties truly like her sister is might as well just be in Alaska like she was just not you know she was the easiest to take yeah if that makes sense and the weakest link yeah and like I think I think you're right with with Eleanor is that she uh, she becomes she becomes obsessed with the concept of freedom and figuring out who she is and coming into her own and it's the first time she gets all that opportunity Mm -hmm. and and you know you see it a little bit on her drive up and her imagining Mm -hmm. but then she encounters Theo a woman that is is exuding all the qualities she personally wants Mm -hmm. and she's like 10 years younger than her and she's like, yeah. I gotta be friends with her. I gotta embody this. And then Theo automatically is lovely to her and is like, let's be best friends. Let's do this. But then all of a sudden, Theo's like, okay, why are you so obsessed with me, Regina George? <laughs> and Eleanor is just like, what are you talking about? And like, mm-hmm. and like, it kind of seems like, Ele- it, you know, and I've done this, everybody that has anxiety has done this, where like you start second guessing yourself and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well, well, do these people actually like me? or are they just being nice or are Mm -hmm. they just tolerating me or am I bothering them or did my actions like why did I say that that sounded dumb yeah nobody reacted to that like she's overthinking Mm -hmm. every little thought every action every phrase that she's doing (laughs) to the point yeah well to the point that she's like she's getting jealous of like Theo and Luke and Mm -hmm. like and to the point where I'm I was sitting there realizing I'm like Okay, but were you even interested in Luke romantically? Like, were, like, what was going on there that is causing this jealousy that is causing me? Is there an actual attraction? Mm -hmm. Or are you just jealous of people not paying attention to you or feeling Mm -hmm. left out? And it's this whole thing and she becomes so obsessed with it to the point where even during the hauntings, you know, She's she's getting cut off from everything. She's the one Mm -hmm. like staying awake at night holding the hand only to realize it wasn't Mm -hmm. Theo's hand she's holding. That Mm -hmm. fucking freaked me out. That was Um, scary. You know, when the doors are banging or whatever, she's the one like kind of like saying, Go away, like blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. And she's it's almost like she's the catalyst for a lot Mm -hmm. of it, because her obsessions are allowing her to start doubting everyone so it's isolating mm-hmm. her and then it's easy it's then I feel like it was so easy for the house to just be like I'm gonna make you mine I'm mm-hmm. gonna make you mine and then it, it it all comes to a head that one night where well I think it that day to be honest because she's yeah. spying she's spying on everyone mm-hmm. and she's having these wild thoughts she's so like, paranoid yeah she be, she's like She's like, oh, they're whispering about me. They don't care mm-hmm. about me. I don't need them. I have the house. Mm-hmm. I love the house. I love the way this feels. Mm-hmm. I can ro- I can frolic in the garden. I can be mm-hmm. here forever. She starts thinking like that, and mm-hmm. then by that night, she slips out of bed and she mm-hmm. starts and she starts running through the house and enjoying herself. And she's got bare feet. She's like a little kid almost, mm-hmm. and she's just like in her nightgown, just fucking fucking around just like (laughs) the whole house and like don't get me wrong that sounds fun in a castle but like you know with the house maybe not in a haunted one exactly but like and then it it you know it it all rises to a head to when they Mm -hmm. find her and she's laughing when they're looking for Mm -hmm. her she she's hiding from them she's like like, you can't find me this is my house i'll Mm -hmm. never leave i love it here like she just transforms Mm -hmm. And I feel like at that point, she's possessed. I feel like Mm -hmm. she's not Eleanor anymore. Yeah. And, you know, and she comes down a little bit when they scold her, when they find her on the the stairs. And, and, you know, she feels she's she's like she's confronted with their actual dislike. She's Mm -hmm. confronted with their open disdain and dislike Mm -hmm. and almost somewhat concerned, but I feel like they're kind of assholes to her. Mm-hmm. They're like, you woke us up, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, clearly you can see she's right. like not okay, like yelling at her right now. Not, not, not the no. vibe, man. Like read the room. <laughs> like she's in the one room that she was terrified to go in, the library. Yeah. Like she had refused to go in when she first arrived. Yeah. And now she's like standing at the top of the stairs with the chick hung herself and like, Mm-hmm. The, in a past in the past yeah. story and it's like and all you can do is scold her for waking you up mm-hmm. like something's not right and so that makes mm-hmm. me wonder if her possession is offshoot, offshot offshoots whatever mm-hmm. by all the other people in the house being quote-unquote influenced Like know how like her paranoia was definitely influenced by the house but she wasn't fully possessed until that last day yeah i think all the other people were influenced by the house at that point so like Mm -hmm. they were influenced to not like eleanor to treat eleanor the way she was Uh, to like almost add confirmation to her her mm -hmm. full possession you know to like strengthen it yeah. I mean, the house turns them against each other. I mean, like yeah. with when there's like blood on Theo's wall and they're like pointing fingers at each other and they're like really angry and then they like snap out of it and they're like, wait, what? Why would you do that? I don't actually believe you did it. Like the house is like fucking with them and like trying yeah. to get them to like turn on each other. Yeah. And then at the end, they're like, oh, by the way, her clothes are fine. There's no blood on it. It's like, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. like what? And they're like, they're like, yeah, like you didn't need to make me move into your room. And it's like, does no one remember that episode like that happened yeah. to them like they it just I think that's the house's influence mm-hmm. they had to separate Eleanor to get her to be able to be possessed yeah and then and then it would start working on everybody else mm-hmm. but I think the way it ended with Eleanor I think that's when the, everybody was like they all got were able to get out unfortunately because of eleanor's sacrifice yeah or else it would have done the same thing to yeah. all of them somehow in individually isolated them yeah and like picked them off like freaking like rotten mm-hmm. fruit yeah well mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry that was long-winded but like i just i had all these thoughts about it and i was like ah, i needed to get them out <laughs> no no that makes a lot of sense i mean that's what i loved about this book is like it's so seemingly simple like on the surface but there's so many layers to it and I obviously you know I like love that in a book and so do you so um and also home quickly before we move on to our next points that like I can really see and I'm not going to harp on this because like there's no need but I know this book came out in 1959 it's like the original haunted house novel and then Stephen King wrote The Shining in like 1972 or three or something so he's like directly influenced by Shirley Jackson so it's like interesting to see as someone who's read The Shining and reading that first and like he like there's so much it's almost like an homage to Haunting of Hill House like the twin girls and the house and the hotel kind of like being haunted and like swallowing people up and that kind of like slow descent into madness but also um, like the cyclical nature thing in The Shining is the same thing so I don't know I just think like it's cool when I read a book and I can like point to like, of course, it's not his only influence. It's not like a retelling or anything like that, but it's like so much owed to Shirley Jackson. So I'm glad that I've now read the original. I think, I mean, I think that like it also harkens to like the Gothic novels Mm -hmm. that were like so popular in the 1800s. I mean, there's even touches of um, Jane Eyre in here Mm -hmm. with like how they're like, let's just burn it all down. It's like, can't let you yeah um and like the whole like if you've noticed between this and then even like i think pose the Fall, the usher like mm-hmm. there's something to be said about women's sanity in a house when they're locked into a house mm-hmm. this big and it's o- almost always the woman that mm-hmm. is like either not believed or the single um, woman yeah it's almost or the independent woman with like mm-hmm. radical thoughts yeah women's rights you know um like the unpartnered women i mean i think it even says that about like the older sister in the beginning it's like you know yeah. trouble found her as it is wont to do for unpartnered women yeah. and i was like bro yeah seriously and <laughs> yeah and it's but that's what i'm saying it's like it's it's always the house drives the woman crazy yeah. And like, if if you think about it, especially with Shelly Jackson in the time that she's writing this, Mm -hmm. is it a commentary? Is it a commentary on like, you know, how women were at the time supposed to be in the house and supposed Mm -hmm. to take care of the house. Mm -hmm. And it's no wonder that they all snap and that Mm -hmm. they all like, you know, are unhappy. No, I think you're exactly right. And it's It's like, like, look what happens happens. when you put the women, when you confine them to the house. Yeah. 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 And, And it's just it's fascinating it's fascinating how many layers it can be to this Mm -hmm. how many um you know touches to like past literature and themes that just run throughout this kind of story Mm -hmm. I definitely think you're right though that Shirley Jackson just says something nobody else has done before Mm -hmm. um in in the way she puts this one because she she doesn't leave it like honestly we're just inferred that she she died in the Mm -hmm. in the car accident who knows? she could have just been like Mm -hmm. severely paralyzed or something you know like Mm -hmm. but it's all just left up to interpretation Mm -hmm. and that's the eerie feeling that is left Mm with it that's the haunting it's the haunting of the novel Mm -hmm. yeah oh very well said thank you so do you want to now dive in to our separate points like which i think we were going to start with our separate points and then I just bulldozed over that. So um, it's fine. <laughs> so I shall I shall shut up and let you tell me your interesting point. Okay, I'm not sure how interesting it is, but <clears throat> um to our earlier points about this book being so layered and very literary. Um the English major in me really appreciated the detail to color that Shirley Jackson had. Um like it starts kind of with like each room has its own color um and i was kind of thinking of the significance of the different colors and cuz i was looking at who had the yellow room because i thought oh the yellow room is going to be like the coward that bails out but that was dr montague so it didn't really make sense um but the point is like all the rooms have different colors they're painting their toenails red red like blood but like there's also like stained glass that is putting all these colorful reflections like when they get there there's lots of color and then the first or second night it starts to rain and another like you know literary symbol like uh uh-oh like storms are coming literally but I don't care I loved it and then like she Eleanor wakes up and she's like the former the blue of the four the former blue of the room is gone and now the room is like washed in gray and then it starts to get real dreary and you see less and less color and then like when she's out like spying on Luke um and Theo um there's like four different mentions of black and white on like one page it's like the night was black and they were like starkly white against it and so I just think it's like the book is literally drained of color as Eleanor is kind of kind of like drained by the house um so small detail but I appreciated it because it was obviously intentional or at least it was obvious to me so I I really like that yeah no I didn't even think about it um Whenever I hear about the red nail polish, I always think of um, more like Gilmore when she's like, bad girls wear bad nail polish. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and something about private school girls. Um, But Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, that's an interesting point, because it's like, if you think about it, Eleanor had blue, and Theo had green, and Eleanor was sad when she arrived, Mm -hmm. and then she became depressed, which, when it turned to gray and Theo is young and naive and green. So that's, oh, yeah. that's kind of like an interesting thing. Um, what and color Luke was that nursery? I don't know what color the nursery was, but Luke had pink. He's so so I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's a little I don't know what bitch. color the nursery was, um, but that leads really well into your next point, which I thought was really interesting too. That Luke is a bitch. Um, yeah that one (laughs) no no you're right you're right so I thought I thought it was interesting that um there is this especially I've noticed it in themes like not so much in books because I don't read that many haunting books although I have been branching out more with horror Mm -hmm. um there's this attraction of innocence when it comes to malicious or um malignant beings or hauntings Mm -hmm. um you know you see it. Like in The Shining with the children and the red rum and the little boy, and then, you know, the omen and, you know, it. I mean, a lot of Stephen King stuff I can Mm -hmm. refer refer to with the little boys, little kids, and innocence, and how, like, um, you know, kids can tend to have, like, a, like, see beyond the veil that adults can't because of the whole, like, Mm -hmm. adults will reason it away right kids are innocent and so they'll just see it for what it is Mm -hmm. and I think that's important to what I was referring to a while back in the pod about like how I when Eleanor and Theodora first arrived at the house they almost reverted to like a childlike Mm -hmm. way you know their habits the way they started talking how they went down to the brook um immediately trying to hit it off how like Theo kept being like we're cousins we're cousins um and you know and like and and how it became like almost sisterly and even even towards the end when El- Eleanor is like I'm gonna come live with you and like Theo's like what mm-hmm. um and <laughs> she's like uh no you're not <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like how like it but also that kind of sisterly dynamic and now you could probably speak to this more can I, than I can because I have a brother not a sister but like how they went from loving and playful to like gossipy and then eventually to like mean and like kind of like biting and like Mm -hmm. nasty and then and then it also can switch easily to caring and concern like when one was in Mm -hmm. danger or scared and how they started calling each other nell and theo without any prompting and Mm -hmm. um i just thought that was all very interesting and again i originally read it as They were becoming the little girls Mm -hmm. that had lived and grown up in Mm -hmm. the house because those are the only two girls that got out. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two people that grew up there for a long, extended amount of time and got Mm -hmm. out. And it also, like, if you think about it, Eleanor and her sister, when Mm -hmm. she experienced the rocks falling on her house, you know, they they were just kids and they didn't Mm -hmm. think anything of it. And, like, Dr. Montague is like, No, it was a fucking poltergeist. Mm-hmm. She's like, Oh, I, I just thought it was rocks. And, like, you know, whatever. And then, and then the final point to this is like the nursery. The nursery was like the pinnacle part of the house that had the like deepest cold spots, the most eerie moments, the weirdest energy. And it seemed to be the most haunted place. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that all the sentient things that were happening, doors slamming, banging on the walls, I think the dog that like had like distracted Luke and Dr. Montague one Mm -hmm. night, all of that happened, but nothing was seen Mm -hmm. with the nursery itself. I was expecting Mm -hmm. to see like a fucking like headless baby rocking or something, Yeah, like, you know, like nothing happened and like they put, you know, Dr. Montague's wife in there because she's like, put me in the best haunted room. <laughs> I'm gonna what look at my bitch. Ouija board. I hated her. I hated her. You so mean the parapet much. or whatever they call it? Yeah, her. she's like the parapet won't speak to me because you guys all mocked it. Like, how dare you? Um, <laughs> I just hated her so much. Well done, sure. Jackson. Well done. You made me hate her from the get-go. But like, um, yeah, like the nursery why is the nursery the most Mm haunted place? You know, and I think if, you you know, you let my mind turn enough with its, you know, rusted (laughs) gears, I feel like how we were talking about how the house wanted to claim someone or claim things Mm -hmm. and wanted to have people and own them Mm -hmm. and possess them and was obsessed with them and how we equate haunted houses and how the characters in these stories are almost always single women and if you if you stretch you know go on this journey with me for a second but like okay what if what if the house is almost a maternal haunting and it's like it's Mm. it's it's unable to let go of things because it wants it for itself and it wants Mm. you know it's that kind of like i want to collect yeah. all of my babies i want them yeah. for myself i don't ever want to let go it's like that that whole smothering thing mm-hmm. and how like you know the nurseries and the and the children are usually the most haunted the ones that are most exposed to it mm-hmm. and 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 they're the most receptive almost mm-hmm. to it you know they're, they don't let their you know fear or whatever get a hold of them they're they almost always, mm-hmm. always are like look a ghost they don't run away mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah like, and so with the nursery being the most haunted, but not showing the most hauntings, mm-hmm. it's almost like the house is waiting to put something back in there. Like the mm. house is waiting for its child to go home, come home. Yeah. And I mean, because if you look at it, when when the dad moved in and he moved in with the daughters, he left the daughters there. The wives, yeah. all the wives died, all yeah. three of his wives died and two in the house or one right before the house was finished maybe yeah i can't remember and like one in the house fell down the stairs quote-unquote fell um and then the third one got so sick she had to be like removed to europe Mm -hmm. so it's like the house is the mother and it cannot be replaced Mm -hmm. and it cannot be overshadowed by another mother and it needs its children and it wanted to collect its children and add to its family and like I don't know that's like how I'm seeing it and like why like it's always so fascinating to me and and why like maybe that's why they reverted to childlike mannerisms and maybe and and that and and why the single women are the easiest to target because Mm -hmm. they're not mothers of their own yeah so it's like they're always in this permanent innocent type of Mm -hmm. state or rather lack of maternal type of state well and Eleanor had just lost her mother so like the she house did. could be like another <laughs> another mother you know because when she woke up the last night she was possessed she goes I'm coming mother mm. remember she thought yes she heard and, her mother calling for her and the house like the writing says like come home Eleanor come home yes and she's like I'm coming home Ooh, Ooh. look at us <laughs> We're so intuitive. Oh my god, we're so intellectual. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I, you know, I I could go on, but and it's not that long of a book, so the fact that we've gotten this much conversation out of it I know. is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I I want to hear what what your your rating was of this overall, because this is I haven't read anything like this in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't read a lot of classic horror so is it considered horror i think it's i think it's technically considered horror i think it would be gothic horror okay it's technically considered horror yeah and it's upstate new york so it's not southern gothic it's like new england gothic Mm -hmm. yeah um i gave it a full razzle because i just think the writing was beautiful she was absolutely a pioneer in the field. And she does the psychological suspense thing really well. It's not a jump scare novel. It's like a suspenseful, like the house is waiting, like you're waiting with them. Like all this stuff happens right at the end. And it's almost like in the book, they say like the waiting is worse. Like it's kind of like that with this too. Um, but she did actually have moments that really scared me like the hand and the dark and- Oh yeah, I jumped. Um, I was like, Ugh like anytime they go out like outside into the hills, like down by the water, I was like really freaked out. So I think that, I don't know, it's just, and there's so many layers to it, like we've been talking about, that I just think like that's the mark of a full razzle for me. Yeah, Um. so I'm actually gonna go off what I had written down. So because this conversation has influenced me, I think I want to give it a full Ooh. razzle as well. Hey. Um, I have some hesitancy because like I'm one of those people that like, uh, I don't always like cliffhangers, I mm-hmm. don't always like those feelings, um, and that's just my personal mm-hmm. opinion with reading, but I feel like the way that this book is written, I mean, again, her writing, like you said, mm-hmm. it's just it's fantastic, and it's it's just a, w- a way of writing that I haven't seen established no. with other other works. And so I think in that itself, like I'm always one of those people that likes the, like to pay attention to the type of writing mm-hmm. as I read a book. Um, it just hooks you in from the, you know, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, leave, leaving with more questions than answers can sometimes irritate the shit out of me with books. Mm-hmm. But for this one, I guess because we had the luxury of talking mm-hmm. about it, um, I think it just solidified. Mm-hmm the impact of of the story because it's like yeah. I, I keep coming back to it but it's like it's the haunting of the book yeah you know, it'll haunt it is you. yeah it's the haunting of the book and also like in a way there's lots of questions and in a way there's not right because mm-hmm. it ends the same way it starts it's like a, it, it's always going to be this way there's always going to be people that are drawn to the house the house is going to take them then enough time passes that people are drawn to it the house mm-hmm. is going to take them like yeah. so you have a lot of questions and so do I about like what it means, like in the middle, but like in terms of like the plot, like it's literally a closed loop. Like she's just saying, like, and it's gonna happen again, it's gonna start over. Yeah. We're back at the beginning. I feel like there should be like a t-shirt made saying like Shirley Jackson goes to me. <laughs> uh you can make it. <laughs> <laughs> um our like, first merch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would buy it? Like the two Germans? Like, God. <laughs> Jimmy, our mothers, our mo- us. My mom doesn't like to this. Okay, neither does my mom. <laughs> but she would our buy a shirt. Wait, the house loves us more than our mothers Oh, my do. God. Maybe the house would buy one. <laughs> I'm coming home, mother. Um- <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to start calling you Nell. Um <laughs> oh no. No. Um, yeah, no. But... Uh, well done, Shirley. Well done. Um, Very well done. But it, it makes me really want to read her, We Have Always Lived in the Castle. I didn't realize that was oh, also yeah. Shirley Jackson. because so I really want to read a that. Movie. It has a movie mm-hmm. with like, what, Amanda Daddario I think her name is? Yeah, it's, yeah. No, I, I just, is that her name? I... Alexandra DiDario. Amanda Dodario, okay. someone I went to high school with, I think. Well, I knew what you meant. And yeah, I really, and I want to watch the Netflix adaptation of this one too. Yeah. I'm gonna have to do it in daylight there <laughs> because it Fair also I, I looked at the trailer because when you mentioned it I was like all right maybe I could give it a go because I can handle some scaries yeah. or like when it's like you know whatever uh but it, it definitely looks a bit more um less psychological and more yeah. like jump scary uh, which, which makes, makes sense, sense for television yeah. yeah so I'm like mm. I'm gonna need some hand holding with this one. Yeah, but can you? Okay, I just was thinking, like, can you even really be jump scared in a novel? Like, definitely not the same holding. way as. You're, you're, your yeah, heart but like race. I literally was like, yeah, that's true. Wait, I guess it's what? more like, like, yeah, you know, it's not like, like I mean, I'm actually, yeah, it's okay. not like an immediate jerk reaction, but like I definitely like blink and I'll, and like my heart. I definitely will was sink like a little. I read it on the plane, and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah like it kind of like chokes you a little yeah but uh chokes your brain (laughs) then my flight got rerouted and i was like is my plane haunted (laughs) (laughs) that's an episode of supernatural Ooh, oh yeah it is it's one of the really early ones because it's one i've already seen yeah but it was like demonic or something so Mm -hmm. yeah well this could have been demonic you never know um they are redoing the exorcist so you never know demons and haunting and and uh possession so it's, it's all the rage um <laughs> <laughs> well this anyways, was a fun read yeah it was a fun read um just and good discussion i good can't even remember the last time we both gave a book a full razzle have we ever done that yeah i feel like we have maybe passing or something uh, i was thinking passing yeah yeah because i know like it's i was while, harsh. Though. i was harsh about a few so because i'm a very hard to please type of reader yeah um yeah oh i know we gave a full razzle infinite jest um oh <laughs> that's right silly me <laughs> that one's going on my mantle um Oof. but anyways yeah i definitely need a palette cleanser after this so I, I however i did pick up a retelling of it that is getting good it's coming out i want to show you the cover because i love the cover so much you see it. Ooh, nice see. uh-huh um pretty it's called a haunting on the hill it's by elizabeth hand i picked it up it's coming out it came out this week um so it's interesting i don't think i'm gonna read it right away but it, it's definitely like a good book to read afterwards because it's modernized um but i need a palette cleanser in general so i think i'm gonna read either rouge by mona awad because mm-hmm. to me unhinged women are the ultimate palette cleanser um mm-hmm. or like very a refreshing yeah or or uh it's my bread and butter man like you know Gotta there. gotta feed the soul. Gotta feed the fucked up soul. Mm-hmm. Um chicken soup for Allie's soul. <laughs> chicken noodle soup for Allie's soul. <laughs> yeah. Chicken noodle soup with knives. Um <laughs> and or I'm gonna read like a fantasy, like which cause I'm really good at reading those quickly. And again, mm-hmm. I gotta gonna get those numbers way up there buddy gotta get Um, those numbers up you're really good at reading them quickly and you're really good at not getting completely sucked down the rabbit hole like I am yeah (laughs) which must be nice (laughs) no I think I think it's I get sucked down don't get me wrong I do fall down those rabbit holes um Alice isn't that far away from Allie but um I think the difference is that the inside of my brain is like Yes, there's the monkey with the symbols, don't get me wrong. But there's <laughs> like there's also like like a tap dancing elephant. And there's also like another circus act. And then there's also like, you know, uh, like Edgar Allan Poe presenting Raven. Like there's like a bunch mm-hmm. of things happening in my brain at the same time, all the time. Like I'm constantly like worrying and just I'm not a machine, but it sound like one. Um so, like, I can't always fully let myself that go sense. because, yeah. like, into one. That's like avenue. how I escape from all the shit in my life. I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to obsess over the latest fantasy book I read and do nothing else. Yeah. So, I'm like, I'm like in inception. So, it's like, I'll go into a dream and then I'll find mm-hmm. something in there. And then I'll go into another dream that's like branched off from that dream. So, it's like, just mm-hmm. like this this catacomb of chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, nice thank you that could be the name of the title uh of this episode. <laughs> title done uh but yeah anyways the other fantasy book that I'm gonna read is uh The Atlas Six by Libby Blake I've had it on my list for a while so it seems short enough that I can handle it you know nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what about you what's your uh rabbit hole currently well it will be Empire of Storms once I finish Wildfire that's my palate cleanser spicy 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 Oh no, I'm so excited. Um and then um my book club is reading Carmilla by Sheridan Le Fanu. Um have you read? No. It is like one of the original vampire novels. It predates Dracula by like 25 years. Um, oh, and I know it's written by a man which is kind of like ew, but <laughs> it's like <laughs> like well because Obvious listen, reaction. it's like it's like a sapphic novel too. And like the fact that it was like written by a man in the 1800s, I'm kind of like, Ooh, am I going to like this or not? Is it a man or a pseudonym? Well, true. I mean, I've seen like pictures of him, but it may be like someone using his name or something, but the novel is like really, really short. I think it's like a hundred pages or something. It's like a novella almost. Um, and yeah, it's like a vampire novel. Um, like, so Mm. that's all. Yeah. Well, (laughs) um maybe it was written by his wife and he just published it because he's a man and that's what men Mm, do maybe you know that sounds like the kind of man that would not be yeah because okay you know how you can tell when you're reading it if the sapphic relationship is actually accurate and makes sense or if it just sounds like a male's fantasy if it's if it's the former his wife wrote it if it's the latter that tracks Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess I've heard that it's epic. I haven't read it, but like, I guess the idea of like you know vampirism is like a stand-in for sex. So if it's a female vampire attacking a female, you've never heard. This is my English major. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's intimate. There's like blood. Is your sex? It's like okay. At the time when you couldn't write about sex, this was like. A thing that a lot of people wrote about as like in a lot of ways like a stand-in for like think about it. it's like yeah you're sucking on someone's neck you, there's an exchange of fluids <laughs> like there's so many different things i just, <laughs> you know what uh, i mean like, oh. like I, I, I just had, thought like, it a whole was more course like in... go ahead i had like a whole course in college and we had to read dracula as part of it and yeah like vampirism is like a substitution for sex in a lot of books in the victorian era when it's like improper to talk about sex that sounds so stupid i thought it was just like creepy ghoulie and like so, you well know? it is also, it's that like, i thought it was like a stand-in for like just toxic relationships it could be you know some dude things. just like around for fucking ever and like won't leave you alone and then like steals your life force it's like a relationship you know? yeah i'm in a happy I mean, one but i'm just saying it like, is you know? yeah, but i mean it's all of those things it's not like i'm not saying it's like a direct metaphor but like it's definitely like scandalous in the victorian era well you know you and your fancy english major interpretations i just can't you learn something up. new you learn something new every day You're all i'm just i'm just gonna turn on the vampire diaries Mm-hmm. and believe that okay. every single vampire looks like a model okay next <laughs> time you watch vampire diaries I really like pay be- attention to like like Damon and elena or even Stefan and elena like anytime like like someone of one of them is sucking blood from the other one like not when they're just like quick kills but like when they take their time tell me that's not sexual i you mean can't. that probably is it's the vampire diaries but watch buffy well that's yeah that's different they're just killing people left and right. There's no sex involved. They're just like that I'm we hungry. Know I know no, we do know. Trust me. Have know. you watched Buffy? There's no. It's on my it list. I know True Blood. Also, I know True Blood is just all sex. So I don't know what you know. It it's it can swing one way or another. Mm. But uh, yeah. definitely. All right. <laughs> watch some Buffy. I recommend. I will. Um, but I'm gonna let you go because I need to go. And uh, I've just learned that phrase. So I I love it. I use it at work all the time. Um, But thank you for taking the time to pod with me. I enjoyed this conversation a lot. Me too. Um, And yeah, so I don't know. You want to lead us out? I will lead us out be sure to follow more of our bookish antics on our bookstagrams at there's ink on my hands and grapes underscore of underscore ash. Share Razzle Frat with friends, lovers, even enemies. Feel free to leave a review, comment, or subscribe where you get your podcasts. Also check out our podcast Instagram at Razzle Frat Pod. Come for the books, stay for the coffee-filled conversation. And now we shall bid adieu to you. That's Razzle Frat.